Welcome to the ESBS podcast. My name is Melina Vegadecenia. And my name is Agla Cavalonita. We continue our series of clinical scenarios in which we explore the current evidence-based best medical treatment. In our last podcast, we discussed BMT after iliac stenting for limiting claudication. This time, we will focus on an even more common situation, a patient with intermittent claudication managed conservatively. This is a 74-year-old man, former smoker, hypertensive, diabetic, non-insulin dependent, hypercholesterolemic with good lipid control with statins, previous myocardial infarction treated four years previously with right coronary stenting, and no coronary symptoms since, complaining of a non-disabling 200-meter bilateral symmetric calf claudication. He has good ephemeral pulses and bilateral femoral popliteal occlusion. His right ABI is 0.6 and left is 0.55. On duplex scan, we see fairly undiseased common femoral arteries with good outflow through the profunda and both superficial femoral arteries occluded at their origin, with recanalization at the proximal right and mid-left popliteal arteries. What would be the best medical treatment regime for this patient according to the most recent evidence? What is non-negotiable and what is optional? For this scenario, we are going to discuss basically the same guidelines as we did last time, the 2017 ESC guidelines on the diagnosis and treatment of PAD in collaboration with the ESVS, and the 2019 ESVM guidelines on PAD. And we add the 2019 ESC guidelines on diabetes, prediabetes, and cardiovascular diseases, and the COMPASS randomized clinical trial. This patient needs baseline treatment for his PAD, control of his cardiovascular risk factors, and exercise therapy. He needs his walking ability related quality of life addressed and even more importantly, secondary prevention of more cardiovascular events, limb and non-limb related, on cardiovascular death. He is a polyvascular patient with previous coronary symptoms and current lower limb symptoms. He is considered very high cardiovascular risk as a diabetic gentleman with established cardiovascular disease, with over 20% risk of cardiovascular events and 15% risk of cardiovascular death at five years. So again, Best medical treatment will include that he keeps away from smoking, he walks at least an hour daily, which can be complemented with other regular physical exercise, ideally supervised, he keeps a strict diabetic diet and weight control, as well as pharmacological therapy that we will now dig into. The patient needs antiplatelet therapy, statins, hypotensive and anti-diabetic medication. Anticoagulation as well? Let's analyze the possibilities one by one, clarifying the non-negotiable and the optional. Let's start with the antiplatelet therapy. According to the most recent guidelines, this patient needs long-term single antiplatelet therapy with strong class 1 recommendation and top level A evidence. This long-term antiplatelet agent could be aspirin, 100 mg daily, or 150 mg if the patient weighs more than 70 kilos, or clopidogrel, 75 mg daily. Clopidogrel may be preferred over aspirin with a class 2B weak recommendation based on level B evidence. Would double antiplatelet therapy be recommended in this diabetic patient with both coronary and peripheral artery disease? Not really. Double antiplatelet treatment may be considered in patients with recent, that is within the previous 12 months, acute coronary syndrome and or percutaneous coronary intervention, stenting of the last patent coronary artery, or multiple coronary vessel disease in diabetic patients with incomplete revascularization. And that is not the case in our patient who had a coronary event four years ago and has remained stable and asymptomatic since. According to the Pegasus study, 
Long-term ticagrelor on top of low-dose aspirin may be considered in PAD patients with prior myocardial infarction because of a 35% reduction in the risk of major adverse limb outcomes, acute limb ischemia and peripheral revascularization, but within the previous three years, again, not the case in our patient. However, according to the COMPASS trial, this patient would benefit from the dual antiplatelet inhibition with low-dose rivaroxaban 2.5 mg twice daily plus 100 mg of aspirin once daily. This regime is recommended in the 2019 ESC guidelines on diabetes, prediabetes and cardiovascular diseases with a class 2A recommendation. It proves especially favorable for diabetic and polyvascular patients with two or more affected vascular beds, as is the case in our patient, and the net clinical benefit of reduction of cardiovascular events, especially stroke and death, accrued over time. This would be the ideal regime for our patient. The small excess bleeding risk associated with this option can be addressed with gastric protection with a proton pump inhibitor, as the majority of bleeding events were gastrointestinal in the COMPASS trial. Of note, the excess of bleeding events was found confined to the first year, whereas the clinical benefit in reduction of cardiovascular events kept increasing in successive years, so the regime becomes even more relevant as a chronic secondary prevention strategy. Okay, what about lipid-lowering drugs? Long-term statins are adamant in all patients with PAD and or coronary artery disease. Statins have proved to reduce cardiovascular event and death rates by over 15%. The target serum cholesterol levels in this diabetic and polyvascular patient are LDL below 55 mg per deciliter, as he is classified as very high risk, given he is diabetic with established cardiovascular disease. The first choice standard regime should be tailored to meet these target levels, usually with 40 to 80 mg of autovastatin daily or 20 to 40 mg of rosuvastatin. They can be combined with acetamide if needed and if insufficient or not tolerated, the new PCSK9 inhibitors are also recommended. All these recommendations are class 1 with levels of evidence A and B for acetamide. By the way, Statins have also proved to significantly increase maximum walking distance in patients suffering from intermittent claudication, as reported in a systematic review and meta-analysis of robust randomized clinical trials published in the European Journal of Vascular and Endovascular Surgery in 2009. So, not only do they have a positive impact on survival and prevention of cardiovascular events, but also on walk-related quality of life. Definitely a must. Very clear. Additionally, this patient is hypertensive. Yes, this is another cardiovascular risk factor that must be controlled as lowering systolic blood pressure reduces cardiovascular events. The target blood pressure in this diabetic patient would be systolic of 130 to 139 millimeters mercury and diastolic of 70 to 80 millimeters mercury, lower for younger patients and those at particularly high risk of cerebrovascular events. In general, it is recommended to start pharmacological treatment with a combination of an ACE inhibitor or angiotensin receptor blocker with a calcium channel blocker or thiazide or thiazide-like diuretic. But the individual regime must be tailored to the patient, and given the coronary disease history, this aspect of the patient's treatment must be directed by his cardiologist. Beta blockers are not contraindicated in PAD patients in general. And he is type 2 diabetic, non-insulin dependent. Yes, he definitely needs strict control of this very important cardiovascular risk factor. Several oral compounds are recommended as first line in diabetic patients with established cardiovascular disease. Empagliflozin, canagliflozin, dapagliflozin, liraglutide, simaglutide, dulaglutide. They have proved to reduce the incidence of cardiovascular events and death. Metformin can be added as second line or maintained if the patient was already on it. 
In general, the hemoglobin A1c target should be under 7%. For elderly patients, the target can be more flexible, up to 8%. This part of the pharmacological treatment should obviously be directed by an endocrinologist. You mentioned earlier the patient's walking ability-related quality of life. Would he need medication to improve his claudication symptoms, like celestazole or pentoxifilin? There is a recent Cochrane update on the use of silostazole for PAD published in June 2021. The study included 16 double-blind randomized controlled trials with 3,972 adults and concluded that silostazole can increase the distance walked both in total and before the onset of pain compared to placebo, but is associated with increased headaches with low-quality evidence overall. There is a lack of evidence for other important outcomes, such as amputation, revascularization, and cardiovascular events. Another Cochrane review published in 2020 with 24 studies and 3,377 people with intermittent claudication found low certainty evidence that pentoxifiline may improve walking distance compared to placebo, but no evidence of a benefit to ABI or quality of life with few side effects. There was considerable heterogeneity between the studies, so the role of pentoxifiline for people with Fontaine class 2 intermittent claudication remains uncertain. Very limited data indicates no difference between silostazole and pentoxifiline for improving walking distance, and there is not enough information comparing silostazole with pentoxifiline for any other outcomes. So, this medication would be optional to discuss with the patient depending on his symptoms. However, bear in mind that silostazole has some antiplatelet effect and is contraindicated in patients treated concomitantly with two or more antithrombotic agents, so it would not be appropriate in this patient if he's benefiting from the dual pathway inhibition. Right then, let's sum up. Best medical treatment for this patient would be double pathway inhibition with 100 mg of aspirin once daily and rivaroxaban 2.5 mg twice daily. Statins for a target LDL of under 55 mg deciliter, which will probably need 40 to 80 mg of atravestatin daily. To modify, checking his lipid profile periodically. A hypotensive regime adjusted to his blood pressure levels and directed by his cardiologist, with a combination of renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system blocker, with a calcium channel blocker, and or diuretic, and oral hypoglycemic drugs with close control of blood glucose levels. Smoking would be banned for life, daily walking would be mandatory, as well as a healthy diet and weight control. Yes, and I would add gastric protection as well. Right, all clear. Thank you very much for summarizing the most recent evidence on this topic. Like I said in the podcast for the previous scenario, this would be an evidence-based best medical treatment according to what we know today, and will likely change in the future in the light of new evidence. Always check out the latest updates of the corresponding clinical practice guidelines. Absolutely. I hope you listeners out there have found this discussion useful. Remember, you can listen to all the ESVS podcasts, open access in SoundCloud, Spotify, the ESVS e-library, and the EJVS vascular form webpage. We will be back soon with more clinical scenarios. Thank you for listening. Talk to you soon. Bye for now. Bye.